It's good to be in the house of the Lord, asking him to look over us and see us as we are truly. Sometimes we as ourselves look at ourselves as maybe greater than we are, and maybe sometimes a little less than who we are. So God has to look in on the situation and balance the equation. And so tonight, I'm going to be speaking with you on what I call uh, my message, uh, Mirror, Mirror. It's about looking into, well, all of us looked in the mirror today, did we not sometime or another? Maybe it was early this morning when we were getting ready and then we didn't care anymore. <laughs> and then some of us just had to break that favorite relationship down just before we could break company and come in to, to be at church. We just love that mirror, some of us. So whether we got a great opinion of ourselves in the mirror or it's just like, ah, uh, forget about it. It's past the time for me to be worried about it. I done caught my wife and uh, she can't get away now. Uh, I don't have to worry about the maybe the opposite sex anymore because, you know, they ain't trying to look at me no more and I don't need them no more. You know, we can, we can be cute with that mirror, but it doesn't uh, not tell us the truth. When the babies are young and we take out the cameras and we're taking pictures just as fast as we can, we're enjoying the moment because we know that this little bit of time, for right now, it's special, but it ain't going to last. When I had my little ones and I would always remind myself before I would put them to bed and before I would, you know, take that last look before, you know, two hours before they woke up again, when you still liked them. Uh, you say, I, I'd say to myself, you know, this is as little as they're ever going to be. And I knew in a minute or two, this is as quiet as they're ever going to be. <laughs> but that mirror, that look right now, where we are at this freeze frame right now moment, like we're taking a picture, is what a mirror tells us, what we're looking like right now. Now, that's significant, but it's not the end. It's not all-inclusive, what that mirror says. Just as that baby will, in a month or two, look totally different, maybe even, now it's got hair. The eyes aren't wandering all over the place. They're looking at what noises are being made. They, they're, they're connecting dots. Well, on the other side of the equation, well, maybe the lines... That are connecting are the ones that we want to connect. Maybe we wish it was the waistline that wasn't as expanding as it was. Maybe we don't look at mirrors when we're not clothed anymore. We put you know things up over them because we don't want to see the ravages and the changes that are happening too fast to us. So whether it's supposed to be happening fast and we like it, or it's happening fast faster than we want to and we don't like it, it's okay. The mirror's going to tell you the truth. But now, who is it that's really in the mirror? That's, that's the point of my message. Who is it that's standing, looking in the mirror, expecting to see somebody looking back? Who is it? Now, the Bible tells us a couple of things. Before we get uh, 
I get too far down the road, let me just look at a couple of scriptures in case you think this gets to be one of those feel-good meetings. Uh, and there's no po- point and purpose to it. The first scripture in Matthew I want to take a look at. Matthew 6, verse 28. Uh Uh-oh, get those arm extenders. Oh, yeah, that's better. I see the Bible now. Well, that's one of those things. It's just like the mirror, right? Now, 6 and 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Not if God, now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Well, now, that mirror. And talking about eating and drinking and the clothes you wear. You see, they're all related. Tells you how good you are. Your stomach tells you how good you've been treating yourself. Or how good you need to treat yourself. The waistline tells the story in the rearview mirror of how you've been doing all of that stuff. So there, there are ways to measure and look at what you're doing, what you're spending your time on. Where is the earnest time that you spend on this planet Earth? Is it just on, as the Bible says, like the Gentiles do, on what you look like, the money that's in your pocket or not there as we were talking about this morning with the pastor. Well, there's more to it than just the carnal existence that we have. Now, God knows that we are carnal beings. He knows that our structure is of flesh and bone. This reading in its entirety is a throwback to one of the promissory Psalms 103, where God is delineating how he's going to deal with his people, where he shows up as El Shaddai and El Jireh, uh, Jehovah Jireh, and El Elyon. He's lining out what he's going to do for his people in that psalm. And this is a continuation in that it talks about he knows that you have a substance problem. He knows that this life has many ups and downs, many trials and tribulations. That you're going to be caught up in the middle of it and the only thing you've got to fight with is your little old arms or so it will feel. And you'll be sitting there slugging it out. I got to get in here. I got to go to work. I got to, oh, Lord, the baby's sick. Oh, my. What am I going to do? There's always 75 cents and I need a dollar. Look at everything. These struggles that we have in life, God says that I'm very well acquainted with them. Even though I'm on this side of the equation, I don't want you to forget the man in the mirror. You're more than the struggles that you face. Although he will use those struggles to refine and shape you. 
get you in a better shape than you are in. The things that you'll worry about and think about and spend your why time. See, there's a a part of your brain that's called the limbic system. And it's tied into all of the reasons and the decisions that you make. We'd like to think we're logical and analytical type people and we make good decisions based on that. But how many times do you find that you love something and that you just got to have something that takes the budget out of the picture, that lets everything else go? You just love what this thing will do. And for whatever other reason, that's what you're going to do. Think about when you fell in love. That didn't make sense. You all, you sit there and you sit there and draw pictures and you call and just breathe on the phone to them. You didn't have nothing to say. But you could not do without that time. You could not just let it go. There's too many arms around too many people for y'all not to be amening right now. (laughs) But that part of the brain gets kicked into gear. God has designed you with that part of your brain. He says, I want you to know that part of your brain, but you know what the scientists tell us? You can't tell me why you love that person like you do. The communication part of your brain is nowhere in any part of that brain. It is not even connected to it. So for us to even sit here and talk about how wonderful God is and how magnificent he is, we can't do it in and of and by ourselves. We just can't get up enough praise in us to just do it. we got to look into the word to find how to praise God. Because he has said the things that we don't understand in our own mind, that if we take a hold of it, and this is what is so important, to take a hold of it, take a hold of God's word, put it in your mouth, put it in your mind, chew on it, let it have its dominion, and it will deliver to you a picture a reflection of God. Now, he sent his son to die to redeem us. Do you, do you suspect in your analytical, logical mind that he would do bankrupt heaven to get you out of hawk if you weren't really, really worth something? It's your choice now. You can just consider the man in the mirror the graying, the fading, the bulging, and say, oh, well, not much worth here. Or are you going to look at it the way God looks at you? See, faith comes out of this kind of stuff. This is faith talk. You've got to believe that you are the, the, the banana split on God's table. And he can't wait to get to you. You, individually, mm, you. Well, you say, I'm not that worthy. He, all of creation ain't waiting on me to be manifested as a son. Oh, yeah, you, me, him, her, she, all of us, every member of the household of faith. But we've got to grow in our appreciation for God's word, not in our depreciation of what the mirror says. That's God's will for you this evening. 
That's God's hunger for you right now. What he wants to do to that banana split is have you see yourself as Jesus is, seated next to him, because he says you're already seated with him in heavenly places. He's not waiting on something else to happen. It's all been accomplished. He's saying, I'm waiting on you. You are one, you got to come up hither to see how wonderful it is. I've disconnected your brain so that you can't just talk your way into or out of what I want you to do. You've got to do it. You've got to come into the Y zone. You've got to become impassioned and embroiled, fired up, all beside yourself in love with me before you can start to receive the love that I have for you. That ain't got nothing to do with the fat boy in the mirror. You can beat up on yourself. We can sniggle about it. Have fun. Because we know that this is not the pure goodness of God at his best. I mean, we're getting a start. We, you know, even God, doesn't, he can't steer a parked car. We get started. We're the apple of mama's little eye. We're, we're mama's little dumpling getter. Then we try to find a mama replacement, and for a little while she'll pat you on the head and make you think that's what she wants from you too. But then you start growing together. And then the family comes. And it's just about that time you're starting to appreciate what God sees in you. If you're a father, let me put it this way. If you are in a covenant relationship maintaining that fatherly role in your household, I have to speak as a father. Then you will start to appreciate being a father. I thought I knew God. Yeah, you sinned in Jesus. Yeah, he died for me, blah, blah, blah. But then I had a son. Uh, got the pictures of me holding, you know, I was bare-chested and everything, holding Marcus, and he's, he's bare-chested, and he's laying there, and he's asleep. Precious little picture, you know. But that was for real because then I knew about the love that I had for a son. And now I have to take my son and hand him over to my worst enemy? Ugh, no. Something else had to happen. I needed another transfusion. I needed another love download from God to get there. Because as I was in awe of my son and loving him, I turned around and said, but that's, that's me. You, you love me like that. That's not just salvation talk. That's not just, you know, beginning Christianity 101. That's something you've got to look into that mirror daily and remind yourself of what you see. That's God's love poured out for you. That relationship that he points to himself with in your life, in your love affections, he's pointing it at you. Let's look over in Psalms for a minute. Because I believe over in Psalms chapter 8, the angels want to get a word in. And God wants us to look at some things there. Uh-oh. Psalms 8 and 1. says, O Lord, our Lord, 
How excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. You have adorned, I'm sorry, ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Verse 3 says, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man? That thou art mindful of him. And the son of man, that you visited him. Now God is a spirit. We joked and kidded around about our flesh. Now do you realize that as I've been up here in front of you and talking to you and so forth, I've got all my clothes and they have activity and movement. But if I take off this jacket, not because I'm hot, but I'm making a point. It won't move again until Jesus comes or a big whirlwind or the roof sucked off or something again. If that represents me, my life, what I have, what I look in the mirror to see, that's not the substance of me. I gave it life. I made it move. I made it look good up here. It wasn't just looking good by itself. I'm going to help some of y'all today. But that jacket, that, that lifeless thing, that, that's, that's our temporal being. That's our corpuscle. That's our man in the mirror. It doesn't matter about that relative to God's plan. We care about that. We want more of them. We want them to be the latest size and styles and colors and all that stuff. But that's not where God is saying we need to spend our vision. We need to be looking at God as the angels kind of leave it and say, well, all of the things that have all of this magnificent glory in the heavens that decree your handiwork and your ability, what, what are you worried about these little dirt daubers down here for? These little daubs of mud that are going to be here today and gone tomorrow. What, what is that? See, they're, they're not omniscient ones, the angels. See, you've been set in a place higher than them. You can appreciate God from a, I'm only here from a minute standpoint, and in this minute of time, I'm going to praise him. See, they don't have any choice. They've got to praise him or they don't breathe or they die or whatever happens to angels when they don't do what God tells them. And they know that, and that's why they don't disappoint. But God wanted somebody who would love him, come to appreciate him, worship him, out of a voluntary spirit. To come about out of a spirit of even not even knowing him, being stranger to him, cut off from him as an existence, totally dependent upon somebody to help him. Now, nowadays, we've got... Government help programs. We've got people that need to go on a trip to another world, a third world country to see how it really is and tell us then how bad we've got it. And we've got so many connections that we make, we sometimes forget about our vertical connection, that he is our source. His mercy, his kindness, his goodness, it's pouring out right now. The day that we are living today, it was taken care of before today. He's fixing up and finishing touches on what we're going to live in tomorrow. 
He's got the graces laid out. He's got the mercies laid out. He knows the struggles that you're going to go through tomorrow. He knows about the bad doctor's report. He knows about what you're going to see in the mirror tomorrow that you don't want to see. Told Paul, he said, in weakness, in your weakness, my spirit, my faith will flow to you and it will be perfected in your weakness. Are you receiving today? Today's download is necessary for today. Tomorrow's is going to be lined up, ready, and waiting for you tomorrow. So take in what you got today. Don't worry about tomorrow. This is the most, one, uh, Matthew's explanation of that, that is one of the most poetic, the most beautifully put ways to understand your relationship because you can't, you, you just can't say those words and not look for the meaning. The words by themselves don't make any sense. It's what those words contain. And there is that faith that you have in God, which is that good expectation that things are going to be all right. It's going to come through. He's already taken care of this. I can look through this to that day. This will be one of those moments that God will get some glory in. How many of us want to see God's glory poured out? Don't raise your hands too quick. Because now you know where the pressure is going to be applied against this flesh. And when you get down underneath the circumstances, you know, when you were on top of the world, now the world's on top of you. This is that weakness. This is that time that God has wanted you to be ready to receive that grace. Paul wrote two-thirds of the, 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 the New Testament. Where? Where was he at? In jail. It wasn't in the air-conditioned pretty jail. He was third world jailing it. Paul and Silas down in the bottom part of the jail. You know what's down in the bottom? The sewer. The sewer from where? All the other prisoners prisoners letting it kind of go. They're down in the bottom. What were they doing? What were they doing when the glory came? They were praising God. See, we were in praise right here. They just joined in to what was already going. They didn't have to manufacture a love for God. They were, they were doing what God told them to do in the first place. This, this, this uh, sorcerer woman was going around preaching, prophesying for them. Paul took about three days of it, and he said, enough. And the woman lost her ability to read the future and poems and all of that kind of thing. They got mad at him. They've been big contributors to the political parties of the day. And now that political clout was gone, put them in jail. Beat them first. Pressure against the flesh. Now God was laying the foundation for what you and I walk on. Kind of like how the Old Testament are examples for us to learn from. So now when we have an affliction or a trial and God's trying to get a little bit of a reflected glory out of you and out of me, how are we going to respond? We're going to sit there and cry and suck our thumb, look at where God didn't put us at. We're in the bottom of the jail. If he loved us, he'd get us out of here. Is that praise? Is that worship? 
No, they went on and praised and worshiped God out of a spirit of, I don't know why, but I got to do it. So we need that kind of praise and worship today. We've got to go into to God and say, God, I don't know why this is going on, but praise you anyway. Hallelujah, because you're going to get your glory out of this thing. I'm going to come through this with you. I want to see the goodness and the glory of God in my lifetime so that I can tell the story like Paul and Silas told it. I want to be on your side, standing next to you, holding your hand. That's more than just a song. That's a declaration against what Satan can do to you. The test that God has set up for you, that you're more than able to pass that test. And children go into taking a test, and sometimes they, do, they get sick and belly ached and don't want to go to school. Because they know there's a test. They're not ready for it. But on those rare few occasions, what? When they've studied, they got the material, they did the homework, they did all of the extra. They, they can't wait to go in there and tear it up. Been on both sides of that equation, too. But don't let this physical man rob you of the glory that God is calling you into. Don't let what you see in the mirror deflect from his glory that he's called you into. Let that part of your mind reflect and ask yourselves, what am I that you are mindful of me? When I consider all of the fantastic things in the universe, who am I? And ask yourself the question the way that you should. See, we don't realize sometimes opposites in the Bible aren't the same as what we have here in the natural realm. When I say in, the opposite of that is out. When I say up, the opposite of that is down. See, we apply that logic to the Bible and I say, what is the opposite of holy? You might say, unholy. No. The opposite of holy, something that is set apart for a special reason and or time. The opposite of that is something common. Common. Everyday, regular, run-of-the-mill routine. You got your fine china that you only take out on special occasions, anniversaries, the preacher's coming over, whatever. Then you got your everyday chipped glasses, broke dishes, dishwasher warped, <laughs> stuff that you use every day. The opposite of what would be holy is to treat something holy as it's common. Now, if you wanted to get hurt at my house, Mess up mama's carpet. Uh, come in here with your dirty old shoes and not caring about that carpet. Because she said invested. She didn't spend money. She invested it in that extra thick pile, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you wanted to get hurt, let you be the last one to come in the house. And she discovered there was a big old uh, mark on her floor. You don't track it. And don't let it smell. <laughs> now, it wasn't that it was holy, but it was precious. It was set aside so that when we have to do something special, we can start with looking at this as what's special and then make it go everywhere else. It's God's word. This is holy 
word. This is your mirror. The thing on the wall tells you what's hanging out your nose and what's in your teeth. That's okay. It's got its purpose. It helps us on the horizontal get along with you better. But your vertical, your mirror, is God's word. This is the only applicable mirror that will help your spirit man. Now, everything up to this point has been fun and games, but your spirit man, he will starve. You wonder how, why bad things happen to good people? You wonder why good people haul off and do something bad? The Bible answers that. But if you just listen to Oprah or you use your own rationale, I guess he had this or he did that, the Bible answers that. It's because he or she has not been in God's word to see what Jesus is reflecting back to them out of that mirror. I'm not going to try to get something out of my teeth if I look in the mirror and there's nothing there. That'd be insanity. God's word will tell you why. Some of it was the mountain. Some of it is why you got to go through it because you have to be strengthened for your struggle. Some of it is there because you paid attention to the wrong thing. You went shopping when you should have been saving. You've paid attention to the flesh when you should have been paying attention in the spirit. God is saying things in the spirit realm to this generation today, now. He said when you see these things coming, well, aren't we seeing those things coming in the earth? Aren't folks falling over and having conniptions and losing their minds for all of the stuff that's going on in the earth? Didn't he say that was going to be happening? And he said you're going to see the earthquakes and the things in the skies and the moon. They're not even telling you all the stuff that's going on anymore. This great big old, uh, in the, in the constellation Leo, which is the king, it's a lion, a great big supernova about two months ago. Biggest thing that happened in the heavenlies in a long time. I didn't hear about it on CNN or Fox or nobody. Then all of a sudden, a month or two ago, the sun had a great big ejection out of it. It wasn't toward the earth. It was away from the earth, a great big one. It was almost like an answer to a supernova there in the heavenlies in the constellation of Leo, which would be in our biblical terms, Judah. He put something out there big to remind you, I'm coming. Our son turned around and said, hallelujah. But then we had all of the storms hit in Oklahoma the next two or three days after that. And they've had the Aurora Borealis lights that's supposed to be way up north coming all the way down as far south as St. Louis. They could see the Aurora Borealis, the lights waving, wave offering, hallelujah. I can connect the dots, but God said to his children, when you see these things happening, just don't see them happening. What did he say? See to it. You're not afraid. See to it that that spirit man steps up and says like the rest of the heavenlies and the rest of all of creation, hallelujah. 
glory to your presence coming into the earth, manifesting in this dominion all of the glory and greatness that has been on reserve from the beginning of time. You came once before and spoke to, sent the angels to speak to the shepherds at fields in the night. Come on again. Let us receive you. Let us be a part of your hallelujah chorus. We need to be getting ready, church. That's why I'm tickled when they go down to Venezuela and don't speak Spanish to go. That's getting ready stuff to me. That's being willing to go and go see what we can do for the Lord's program down there. How can we support? Now we got another connection with another set of hearts. Another set of believers are in our family. And, and just like in heaven when there is no black and no white and no brothers and sisters and we're all God's children. And we're all in the same family. There's going to be a renewal of it. You remember we couldn't say it in Spanish and you couldn't understand it in English? All of that perfect communication is going to take place. God's going to smile and say, I'm glad my children already know each other. He's hungering for us to have the relationships that we should have like a father, like brothers and sisters. He's called us into these things. We don't need to take them lightly. We don't need to look at them the way the world's looking at them. Well, I can get a tax deduction and we could get married. I could, we, we could do all of this and do all of that. God has ordained the family before the church, before the fall, because he wanted to always have a, an ability to say, son and daughter, I love you, the way that a father and a daughter, son and a Father ought to say it. It's beautiful when it happens. It's God's grace pouring out. God's grace. I'll go quicker now. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... As a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that is, make it happen in this realm, what is that good and acceptable, acceptable and perfect will of God. That's awesome. We translate God's language in the earth. You are his ambassadors. You are his, you, when they send the ambassadors in, they stay at an embassy. And that embassy occupies a territory or a piece of land. That land belongs to that government that that ambassador is from. It doesn't belong to the country that they are visiting into. It belongs to that country. That's a sovereign entity now. This church in the earth, we are sovereign. We're not supposed to go through everything, the taxation, the laws that the regular citizens are subject to. We are God's emissaries sent to interpret God's will in this earth. Now, do you feel like having God show up at your house tonight? 
Is he going to find you ready, willing, fit, and clean vessels so that he can pour his spirit into you and you walk into work tomorrow and you start to speak as an ambassador for God? Not as Joe Blow, the employee, anymore. Is your hunger for God's magnificence in your life? God's magnificence, not yours, in your life. Are you ready to speak God's will in this earth? That's what we just read. But you have to present your bodies as living sacrifices. That sacrifice has to be living. That means on the altar, they're getting ready to do the plunge. You're still alive. You're still willing to be there. You're still willing to go through whatever it is that God has set up for you to endure, to receive the plunge unto death, to be that sacrifice that now God can get some glory out of. It might mean being martyred. It might just mean putting your own stinky will aside. It might just mean being a benefit to somebody else, a living walk of faith, doing what they need done, not just talking about it as we heard this morning. Simple or complex, God gets the glory. He's called you and says, can I get that from you? All you got to do is put your hand over that mirror and say, I'm not looking at you now. I'm looking through you. Your spirit man is who God's talking to. This fellowship with the Holy Spirit, all of that is for your benefit, but it's God reaching through your temporal existence and touching what is eternal in you. Your mindset needs to change. You need a hunger that won't go away for God. You need the fruits of the Holy Spirit manifested, walking. Whatever it is that God wants you to be, He can, through the Holy Spirit, cause that fruit to come into existence. It might be a demonstration of patience. Well, you need patience when you do certain kinds of work. Well, you have to do certain kinds of work, but it takes certain amounts of love to be willing to go through the process of manifesting that love. What about the work? It might require a measure of faith. Something that takes God to get involved in for the two plus two that's got to, you can see two and two, that's got to be four, right? No, he says it's ten. He's got to show up and make up the difference. We have to expect him. We have to call him by prayer. We have to call him by the, the faith that he has called us into the work. Jesus said in one of the last statements before he went to the cross, will the Son of Man find faith at work when he returns? Now, he didn't have to wait for an answer. He knew that was a challenge. He knew that that challenge was going to be talking to you, talking to me. Will that faith that Jesus required to accomplish the things in the earth that he had to, connected directly with the Holy Spirit, 
He knew that he could do none of it without faith, without God's love in action, without your expectations that something spectacular was about to happen, something out of the natural. We don't need a natural God. We don't need him to just do our laundry and be our butler. We need supernatural in our lives. I truly believe that today. We can't survive on what we got going. There ain't enough momentum going to roll us up the next hill. Too many relationships torn asunder. Too many of them not in existence, out of date. God has got to anoint the people. If you're his people this evening, say amen. amen. First Thessalonians, and I'll quit. First Thessalonians 5. And verse 5 says that you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those that get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is the last one, hope. We've got to have a hope of our salvation, an earnest expectation that God is like the Calvary in the old movies coming over the hill. He's got this. He's already ordained the things that are going to go on in this time and in this dominion. He's already seen that people will start to go to sleep just like they did on Jesus in the garden. Just kind of nodded out. Well, it's midnight, Jesus. What do you want? That's natural. But there ought to be a light shining in your mind that you can't sleep. Just as if I peeled open your eyes and put a bright one of those LED lights right there, burning it in, burning it in. You can't sleep. You can't be drunk and dismissive of the things in the spirit. You've got to have God's heart. You've got to see the things that God has said. You've got to see them before they've happened. You see it, you're a saying what others will see that's your hunger if you're one of his children tonight y'all come and play just a bit you're hungry to see what God has on your plate now I didn't always like either brother pastor what was on my plate when I was growing up but I was always told it's good for you and I always believed that if God loved me, he'd make it taste better. And all the stuff I want to taste, all the nano pudding, what's wrong with the vitamin content there? We've got to be willing to push aside the desserts and the sweets and the treats that the, the, the earth system is trying to push out, trying to get us to buy into, trying to get you to spend your time, energy, effort away from the things that are of God. 
We've got to spend our time above the sun, where everything, as he says in Ecclesiastes, everything under the sun. He set his heavenly gates above the heavens, it said there in Psalms. We've got to aspire to want to be like astronauts and or people who want to go into orbit for God, who want to see God's wisdom, want to see his, his, his truth marching into the lives of sinners and hurt people and desiring people who want to know what God is saying. All of creation is calling and begging and pleading to God, saying, where are your sons? You sent the son to collect all of those others. Where are your worshipers? And God said, they will be my worshipers in spirit and in truth. I don't doubt God. I don't doubt you as his children. I don't, I'm not suspicious of the times in which we live. I know he has a plan. He's called his children. He's bringing his children home. When I come home from work, I don't want to come home to an empty house. That's just me. It's got to be somebody there. I ain't going. I don't care how tired I am. Uh, I, I might, I take that back. I, it will be, I will stumble in there and go to sleep. But I'm coming home because I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for the sounds that say life. I'm looking for the connections that we need to have is, well, in a family. But when I come to church, it's the same thing. I don't want to not hear the praise and worship. I don't want to not hear the pastor being intimate and passionate about his connections that with God. He's telling us what we couldn't come up with and think of on our own. We wouldn't look in the mirror and say that this is God's will for us we got to look in right here. This is God's mirror. It's not just about Jesus, but Jesus was just about you. He's just about us. And we need that connectedness today. Let's ask him for a blessing right now. Let's look at him with a renewed vim and vigor, an expectant heart. Let's hunger after him. And if you need to come before him at the altar, that's fine. You can do it there. You can do it at home. You can get your list. You can do it your way. But go to him right now. Gracious Father, in your loving kindness, you have said that your children have been given abilities and talents, but they don't know what they are just as a baby doesn't know what is to be he just knows that I need something and they cry out and to that cry there is an answer we cry out to you right now father we're hungry for you father we're thirsting father and some of us yes we need a change of diaper now father but we want to grow in you right now we're dependent upon you right now we're after you now, Father. We're chasing after you. We worship your presence now, Lord. We thank you because we know that just as we call out to you, you are answering. 
We know that sometimes the answer won't be the delight of our flesh, but we know that your spiritual God, speaking to our spirit man, has an answer. We ask you now, Father, to bless us in the struggles, strengthening us right now, giving us new inspired looks at our problems. New options are opening up right now, Father. You're developing in us now, Father, the strength to provide an answer to a hungry world, not just to our own circumstance. Gracious Father, you are calling all of your children home. It's time. We're in the fourth hour of the watch, and it's the darkest before the dawn. We can't find many more ways to do it wrong than it's going right now, Father, but we have our hope in your salvation. We're strengthened now, Father. We're strengthened by your food and your feeding. Father, I've tried to say it as you have said it to me. If I have been unsuccessful and unwilling, forgive me, Father. Open the minds and hearts of your children and your Holy Spirit will fill the voids. Will make whole the message. Will show them the way home now, Father, that you are calling them to. Gracious Father, we thank you. We bless your name. All that is in heaven, we ask that they bless your name. And Father, when it's all said and done, and we see you face to face, we thank you for it right now, for making it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. fit song to dismiss by Father as each household of faith is represented here we thank you we ask now Father that you add your increase your blessing to each household as they go about into their various walks of life that they shine more magnificently than they could have ever done alone than before now, Father, because they are more ready, more fit for your service. Father, we send them out, some as lambs before wolves, but we ask that you go with them, that you bless and anoint each one, and that these things be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.